Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! So, not functioning too well today. And I was supposed to have special guest Robin Williams on the podcast today, but he had some things come up today as well. So, we'll have to get with him another time here for sure. Want to get him on and hear his input and, and get to do that. Trevor, not so sure about. I'm still debating if I want to bring him back. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love both of those guys. And, and Trevor, of course, is my good buddy. So, he will always be back. Just not today. So, I'm going to be going over the Braves series here, and we lost two out of three in this one. So as normal, I'm going to start with the game recaps here. Game one on Friday was a 6-3 to three loss. Really rough outing for Adrian Hauser. He walked five batters and in three innings of work, but thankfully just allowed two earned runs. His two earned runs came in his final inning of work, in which after walking the bases loaded, yeah, walking, <laughs> Austin Riley hit a liner that bounced off his off Adrian Hauser. I think it was his leg. And then two runs ended up scoring. So like on ESPN, that's labeled as an infield single. Uh, but the ball really bounced into the outfield. So really kind of strange there and, and rather unfortunate because if it didn't bounce off a of Hauser, I think that would have been an ending-ending double play. So despite his really lack of poor command, he could have escaped the inning unscathed. Just did not The Brewers offensively actually struck first in this game, so now we're going to back up a little bit here to the second inning. Luis Arias was able to drive in Avisil Garcia, who began began that inning with a leadoff double. Unfortunately, in the fifth, with Eric Lauer in his second inning of relief, he allowed back-to-back jacks to Azuna and Elbies to begin that inning. So that made the score 4-1, and it remained that until the seventh. So to begin that inning, Lauer... Surrendered back-to-back singles to begin that, and then we brought in Brad Boxberger in relief, in which a runner scored off a sack bunt. Yeah, don't see that very often. The Braves just really wanted to win this game. And then to end the seventh, Luis Arias made a leaping grab to prevent further runs from scoring. Really kind of cool play to see there, and bailed out Lauer and Boxberger both. In the eighth, we put Josh Lindblom in, who gave up a leadoff triple, a play Lorenzo Cain nearly made, and I think he makes under most years. And then the next batter later is a little tiny bloop single, just out of the reach of Travis Shaw. That makes it 6-1. to one. Game's starting to get away from us. And then, of course, in Brewers fashion in the ninth, we have back-to-back solo homers from Maurice and Pena, and that would be it. 
That's how we get from to six to three as our final. It is worth noting in this game, there was just a ton of loud contact for the Brewers. Luis Arias got robbed by a jump and catch at the wall. A lot of balls for the Brewers just happened to die at the warning track. So one of those things that has just been a theme with the dead end ball, as we'll call it this year. Game two was a 5-1 loss. Battle the Andersons, and Ian Anderson, the pitcher for the Braves, won this by a landslide. Brett Anderson got rocked early, gave up four runs in the first two innings, and after that, it was to the bullpen. Rasmussen, Boxberger, Perdomo were all solid. They pitched for three scoreless innings, and then in the eighth inning, Haldane Miller, who had just been called up to replace Lauer, gave up a home run to William Contreras, and that's how the Braves got to five runs. JBJ did rob Ozzy Elbies of a home run in the seventh inning of this game, and that was incredible. He like hung on top of the wall for a solid, like it felt like five seconds just waiting for the ball to get there, and then he caught it. He made it look effortless, but at the same time, I just don't know how he hung up there that long. <laughs> Offensively, yikes. Ian Anderson took a no-hitter into the seventh. And then in the seventh inning, Vogelbach got a single, Pablo Reyes doubled, JBJ walked, so now all of a sudden you have the bases loaded with one out, Urias would hit a sack fly, and then Lorenzo Cain, who came in a pinch hitter in this game, flew out to end the rally. In the ninth, the Braves sent forward former Brewer Will Smith, and he secured the win as that one sack fly was all the Brewers were able to muster together in this one as they lost 5-1. to one. Game three... Man, this game might take a podcast itself to recap. It was wild. The final score ends up being 10-9, to and the Brewers win, and we all wanted offense, and we got it. But Freddie Peralta, the way he pitched the first six innings of this game, you wouldn't believe that he didn't allow a single run. <laughs> Freddie Peralta was dominant once again. I mean, he did get some defensive help early on. JBJ had an incredible catch in left field. I think this is more impressive than his home run robbery the night before. He just kind of, he was coming back left at an angle towards center field and just kind of threw his glove up there as he was like jumping, doing the splits in midair and somehow the ball found the glove and he made the catch. So that was pretty cool. Lorenzo Cain had a really, really nice running catch in this game as well. Uh, but like I said, Freddy Peralta was impressive himself, struck out eight batters on just 88 pitches, and we pulled him because we were up 8-0. to zero. Prior to that, Peralta was mixing in change-ups, he was getting strikeouts with that, and the offense broke, th- broke through. Like I said, we got to eight runs by the time we pulled Freddy, who was just at 88 pitches, so like, why not yank him? But and it took till the third inning for us to get runs. And that was due to Dan Vogelbach finally breaking three with a two RBI double. We had runners in scoring position each of the first two innings, but came up empty. In the fourth, Omar Narvaez recorded his third hit of the day. Yep, and that was a double to score Colton Wong. And then in the fifth, Avisil Garcia added a two-run homer, which we got pretty lucky on. That should have been robbed. I'm trying to remember who was playing center field for for the Braves. Inciarte, I believe. Uh, he should have had it. The, bu- the ball, like, it hit his glove, and it never really stayed in there. It just, gravity took over, and <laughs> the ball kept going towards the ground, even though he was right there to Rob Avi. He didn't come not, did not come up with it. So after adding three more runs in the sixth inning, like I said, we were up eight to nothing. You think you can just cruise to the finish line? 
So we decide to put Feierheisen in in the seventh because he hadn't pitched since Tuesday, and we're like, let's get him some work. We have an off day tomorrow, and Feierheisen just could not find his command whatsoever. He only ends up recording one out, and then Brett Suter comes in relief. He gives up a grand slam to Freddie Freeman. So the sad part out of all of this is it never should have gotten to this Freddie Freeman Grand Slam, which would be the seventh run of the inning, because Luis Urias had two separate miscues prior to that. The first one was a soft grounder hit right at him, and rather than take the easy out at first base, he tried to get the runner at second, but nope, there's a speedster running for the Braves, and the throw was late. Everybody's safe. Two batters later, Urias bobbles a grounder, but he still delivers a pretty good throw over to Wong, but Wong must have got his timing, must have got thrown off by the bobbler or something because he couldn't hold on to it. It just went right in, in, right in and out of his glove, and everybody's safe again. So that's what set up that Freddie Freeman grand slam, and that was a seven-run inning, so now the Brewers suddenly just have a one-run lead, and in the bottom of the seventh, we pick up two runs. Think, why not? Lorenzo Cain delivers a clutch hit, now we have now we're up 10 to 7 and defense struggles again in the 8th. So we turn to the airbender. Devin Williams is in. It's a close game all of a sudden and he too looked out of sync. The first two Braves reached base. Contreras then hit a grounder to Urias who couldn't field it clear, cleanly and then everyone was safe. A rough couple rough stretch here for Urias. And as a result, a run scored. All of a sudden it's 8 to 10. And after that disaster, Williams got Enciarte out on a sack bunt that set up runners on second and third. And also the Braves brought in pinch hitter Ronald Acuna Jr. His first that bad of the series, he's been out with an ankle injury. Thankfully, the airbender trumped, struck him out, and also got Adrianza to strike out afterwards to end that inning. But then even going to the ninth here now, Josh Hader even got hit around and gave up some runs. First battery face, Freddie Freeman, he walked him. Then he gave up a hit to Ozzy Elbies. All of a sudden, you got runners on the corners, and a Danzy Swanson sack fly makes it a one-run game. <laughs> and the Braves just, they would not go down without a fight. With two outs, that brought up Austin Riley. He and Hayter got into this epic battle. It was all fastballs from Hayter. He had to be nearing 10 pitches, and all of a sudden, Riley hit a, like a 114-mile-per-hour rocket into left for a single. So also on haters looking at runners on first and second, two outs, William Contreras at the plate. Hater gives him three straight sliders and thankfully picks up the much needed save and Brewers victory to prevent the sweep and salvage the series in this one. Again, that was a 10 to nine win. And I know I missed some things in there, but that game was just absolutely crazy. Nearly four hours in length. Brewers were in control early on, should have cruised to a victory, but that is just not how baseball works. So, yeah, let's talk about Freddie Peralta's start here today. He's now up to 16 consecutive innings without allowing a run, dating back to two starts now already, actually, since after that first inning in Philadelphia when he gave up those four or five earned runs, whatever it was. Hasn't allowed an earned run since then. He was mixing in the changeup today. His first strikeout of the day came on the changeup, and I was like, oh, that is not in the scouting report. <laughs> it is not. His slider was still devastating. He was making batters just look absolutely silly. The way he can manipulate that ball, I think it just has so many different looks to it that 
you're not constantly getting the same thing, and that's really messing with hitters. And he is he is becoming so electric. He's finding success as a starter. Something I am I'll admit I am wrong about. I thought he would have needed like a true third pitch, which maybe that changeup will be sprinkled there more, but. Uh, just the way he's able to manipulate his fastball and sliders and use it in different ways. He is having a ton of success. Really glad he is in our starting rotation, and he was great again in this one. Colton Wong had another three-hit game on Sunday's finale. He now has four three-hit games on the year and nine multi-hit games altogether. And that's really exciting to think about because even though the offense has been struggling mightily, since we flipped the calendar to May, it seems like. This is the type of stuff that he can do once we start getting our typical run producers back and hopefully Christian Yelich, Kesson Hira, if he can return to form, in which both of those guys are playing together in AAA right now. Sounds like Christian Yelich had a successful weekend down there in AAA, played in all three games. Don't really know or even care what his results were other than he played all three games. And it'll be interesting to see what the Brewers do here now because we have an off day on Monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday against the Royals, off day Thursday. So they they could elect to bring him back to play two games because the way those off days are in there, that should benefit Christian Yelich. And man, do we need his bat. And with Colton Wong setting the table, that, that's how I got on this little tangent here. That's going to be exciting. He's going to score a lot of runs for the Brewers this year once Christian Yelich is back. And that takes some of the pressure off some of the guys who are being forced to be our producers right now, like Travis Shaw, Omar Narvaez, Abisil Garcia. Like Those are not supposed to be your high RBI guys. Can they be? Sure, but they should not be the focal point in your offense. I don't think any of those guys are built to do it. Christian Yelich is the best man for that. Lorenzo Cain had a good series, 4-9, two walks, two RBIs. He's got the potential. Again, I've mentioned it. If he keeps putting together series like this, Wong and Kane, one and two, is going to be a scary combination for opposing pitchers to deal with because then you factor in Christian Yelts coming back and then whoever wherever goes after that, obviously Garcia, Keston Hero when he returns, Travis Shaw, those are all four, five, six. You're looking pretty solid right there. I do like Avisil Garcia in the four-hole spot. I wrote an article for Reviewing the Brew about it in the beginning of the year that said Avisil Garcia is the perfect non-traditional cleanup hitter, and it's true. He's not going to hit 30 home runs, but he's going to hit for a higher 280s average. He has the ability to slug the ball gap to gap more so, but then he also will be able to get on base for a Travis Shaw who doesn't have necessarily a higher average, but a big power threat. Kind of same with JBJ down there and Kesson here at two a point as well. So I really like Avisil Garcia in the four spot in a perfect world scenario, which seems like we haven't had since opening weekend due to all of our injuries. Luis Urias just had a really, really rough go around in this Sunday's finale here. It seems like whenever he gets in these defensive lapses, they just come in spurts. He had that three air throwing game earlier in the year and had two errors in Sunday's game, so he's now up to seven errors on the year. Six of them are throwing errors, one of them is fielding. So it's not really fielding that's a problem, it's just throwing the ball every now and then. Like I said, three of them came in one game. Of course, there were some miscues in today's game that didn't necessarily go down as errors, which 
you have to take into consideration too. But he's he's just so solid most of the time. And then it's like, as soon as something doesn't go his way, he loses that focus. He loses that confidence for that game. And he's just garbage. And then the next day he'll come out and do something great. <laughs> like I talked about it. He had that, he climbed up the ladder with a really nice jumping catch in Saturday's game to save some runs. Hell, that was a great play. And then, again, wasn't throwing. So apparently that must be the new curse with the Brewers and the infielder. Anybody they have just just can't throw the ball. Maybe we should fire the throwing coach, right? Like, is that a thing? Uh, that was a bad joke. But, um, no, I think it's all in Urias's head. Like, as soon as something doesn't go wrong, he's just he has to keep that short-term memory. He has to put it behind him because couple of miscues in the same innings and really from the seventh inning on in Sunday's game you did not trust Luis Urias out there and and that's a problem right like if we get into a late September game we need him out there presumably if he's still our shorts everyday shortstop and you're not gonna want if you're not you're gonna have to take him out if something like this happens in a pennant race because you can't have those types of plays and the bad thing is just right now there isn't any real long-term solution like who is a perfect backup for Urias. We don't have a true traditional shortstop. I mean, down the minors, you got Daniel Robertson who could fill in every now and then. I think D. Strange Gordon can fill in every now and then. Tim Lopes maybe. Uh, Babe Mathias is injured, so he's not an option. So really rather thin at that position from a defensive standpoint, because I really like what Urias does. I think he's your best option. Just when he's in these little roots, things go sideways really, really quick. And the last thing I want to talk today about is just the amount of loud contact that did not go for a hit, especially thinking the Friday's game. Lorenzo Cain had a lean back, caught at the wall. I was like, what? Like, that doesn't happen. Luis Urias had a couple hits. Just They just die at the warning track. So there's a lot of theories going around the MLB right now, like that Manfred's trying to den the ball. It's the year of the pitcher. I mean, how many times have we heard that this year so far? And it, it was announced today, Stern said, that the Brewers were not one of the teams using a humidor, which is a fancy way that baseballs are stored prior to game use. So the Rockies have been doing this for years, thinking back to the early 2000s. And I just learned this today. I actually had no idea. So it's really kind of fascinating because the amount of home runs that have obviously been hit in Coors Field is insane. Like it used to be like three and a half home runs a game, thinking back to the early 2000s. And that was, you know, before this home run era. And then all of a sudden they started using these special conditions to store baseballs at pregame which essentially it makes the ball heavier, right? Like the inside of the baseball will get a little wet. That's where the humidity comes into. And then the ball isn't going to travel as faster. I mean, the perfect analogy I thought of is think about it. If you are, if you're trying to hit a tennis ball with a baseball bat, right? That, that ball travels a long ways. Okay. Now go soak that tennis ball in water. It's not going to go as far. It's kind of that same theory here with the humidor and the and the water staying in the baseballs. So there's a lot of thinking that MLB eventually wanted every team to store baseballs like this pregame. And, and the Brewers are not one of those teams. They do store their baseballs in a certain spot, but they do not have an air-conditioned environment. There is no deadening of the baseball, at least on the Brewers' end anyway. 
Could it be going on in the MLB? I would not doubt it. I mean, 2019, we had the juice baseball. Why not show some love to the pitchers here? I would not put it past it. So we'll have to stay tuned to what the research says about that as the season keeps going along. But I'm going to shift into my series MVP. And series dud. So I have to go with him. It's Freddie Peralta for my series MVP. He put together a hell of a performance. He could have kept going. Like I said, he exited after only six innings of work because you're up eight to nothing. Is at 88 pitches at that point. Eight strikeouts. Walked one batter. Only gave up two hits. He's now at 16 consecutive scoreless innings. Freddie Peralta is turning into a dude. So really good stuff there. It was good to see him come out as our stopper, essentially. And he did his job in Sunday's finale before all hell broke loose there. So Freddie Peralta is going to be a series MVP. And I'm going to give Colton Wong an honorable mention. 5 of 13. So five hits in a series is pretty damn good. One walk. Like I said, he had a three-hit game on Sunday. Lorenzo Cain, I will mention, 4-9, two walks, two RBIs. Good to see him there as well. Um, and then just other honorable mentions here offensively. Narvaez, 3-7 with two walks, a double, and an RBI. And then Luis Urias, 2-8 with three walks, a homer, and three RBIs in this series. Urias has been like a top three run producer out of all shortstops since like the be- like middle part of April. So he batted in the eight spot today, which I think is ultimately the best spot for him. But with the way our offense has been, he's been producing runs. Trevor and I have talked about is he goes in spurts where he strikes out a ton, but he also goes in spurts where he just mashes and he gets runs across the plate, which is obviously important. For series dud, I'm going to go with Eric Lauer. Three innings pitched, four hits allowed, three earned runs, gave up back-to-back home runs. And really, he came in in that Adrian Hauser game. And if Eric Lauer is just a little bit more solid, maybe that game goes differently. Sure, the Brewers don't pick up their second and third runs in that game until the ninth inning. But if Lauer doesn't give up three earned runs, then it's a tie game and you're going into extra innings, you know, if you could just chop those runs off there. And Eric Lauer in that game just looked more like the 2020 version. It was not good. He, he's trying so hard. He's altered his delivery, made it a little bit quicker. He wants to prove to us fans that the trade is worth it, that the Urias-Lauer trade wasn't the bust, but man, Eric Lauer just continues to suck in a Brewers uniform. There's no other polite way to say it. He was then optioned back down to AAA after that game, and he'll probably continue to be shuttled around all year. Other honorable mentions for duds. I'm going to go with Travis Shaw on this one. One of nine with three strikeouts. Did draw two walks. He did get ejected in this series, arguing balls and strikes on Saturday night, and he knew better. Like, it was... A really, really close pitch at the bottom of the zone. Hadn't been called a strike all game. And of course, Ring Shaw gets rung up for it and argues gets tossed. But really, I think he just didn't want to play with this offense anymore because we were getting no hit at that point when he got tossed. I think with Travis Shaw, I'm also I want to give him a dud here because earlier on this year, it seemed like he was picking up every timely hit possible. 
He had like what, like 19 RBIs in April or something like that. And I believe he's at five now in May and we're halfway through the month. So that's not good. Not The time of hitting is not there for Shaw anymore. He's hitting near 200. I think he's a little bit over the Mendoza line. So we really need Travis Shaw to get back going here. Even if it's not raising the batting average, he has to get up back on track with some timely hits. So what's next? What better way for Travis Shaw to get back on track than a series against the Royals? Why not? So Brewers have off on Monday. Two night games versus the Royals Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday's game should be pretty interesting. It'll be Brandon Woodruff versus Danny Duffy. And I know fans are going to look at it and go, Duffy, 194 ERA. Oh, shit. We're running into some more good pitching. But, yeah, partially true. I mean, Danny Duffy has allowed seven earned runs over his last two starts. And you're like, how on earth did he have a 194 ERA then? Well, he only allowed one earned run in 23 innings of work in April. So he got off to a really good start, has struggled the last two times. Hopefully, the Brewers can make it three now as we take him on on Tuesday. Wednesday will be Corbin Burns versus Jacob Junis. I do not know much on him, but we got our two aces going at it here, Woodruff and Burns. So it'd be really nice for the Brewers to, we're going to call it a sweep, sweep the Royals here. The Royals are just a tad under 500. They entered play on Sunday as I'm recording this at 18 and 20, so just two games under. They started the year off pretty good. They've been slumping as of late. Salvador Perez is their best hitter, and he's their catcher. And in fact, he's approaching 30 RBIs on the year, but he also, this weekend, had back-to-back games of three-run homers. So a six-RBI weekend, yeah, that's going to boost your RBI total by quite a bit there. So I won't look too forward into that. I'm not really scared of what the Royals bring to the table offensively, especially when you factor in Woodruff and Burns will be going in this series. So really just looking for the offense to show some more consistency. I don't expect them to put up 10 runs like they did on Sunday here, which is their season high, but at least get some hits Draw some walks. We did, we've did. we done a really good job of that the last two games here, drawing walks and really just changing our approach at the plate. You can't just go out there and expect to mash home runs and think that's going to turn our fortune around. No, it's every batter out there has to do their job and just put together good at-bats. So that's what I'm looking for in this Royals series, some more consistency in the offense. I want to see four or five guys with at least two hits in both of these games. So it is a two-game series. So with hits in each game, I guess, would be the way I'm looking at it there. That's over half your lineup. That would be a win in my book. But I'll be back to recap the Royals series. So that game or that series wraps up on Wednesday. So podcasts will be coming out on Thursday. And then they got the weekend series after that. So stay tuned for that. Royals series recap coming out on Thursday. Maybe I'll have someone with me here for that. I don't know. I don't think that far ahead. If I'm liking Trevor enough, maybe I'll invite him back. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm really being hard on him today as he's trying to recover from his wedding. So hopefully he listens to this and he realizes I'm giving him shit. Otherwise, he's never going to know. That'll just be disappointing. So... (laughs) Look for me and someone else to recap that. And until next time, I will see you later, Brew fans.